Let's bow our heads together for a moment. Lord, you have been good to us singing underneath your creation today. These beautiful trees with so much history that surrounds us in our city. And now, Father, we'll take a few minutes to rightly divide your word. And Father, I'm so thankful for the hands that prepared our food and those who, again, set it up and allowed this to be a, just such a beautiful day of God's people coming together to celebrate Jesus, to have fellowship with one another, and Lord, just to see your handiwork. So now, Father, let us minister your word to your people, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, your Kindle, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Uh, Kenan and I began this particular series a few weeks ago. Uh, we completed uh, chapter 1. And I really wrestled about what to preach on today because it is game day and we're wearing a, a jersey or a polo shirt or a sweatshirt of our favorite team. And, and, and some of you who have the gift of being a smart aleck asked me why uh, I didn't have on my Auburn jersey. And if you watched us play yesterday, you'd realize why that I did not wear that particular jersey. But then I thought about Baptist and really how we are as far as giving of our tithes and offerings, in which I want to remind you, we have the offering boxes here on my left and on my right, your left and right as well. And usually when a pastor gets up and is real brash about what team he pulls, he alienates the whole other side. And those individuals would be tempted not to give as much. And we got bills to pay this week. And uh, Greg just wanted me to be found faithful in doing that. So Greg wore the Auburn shirt. And uh, Pastor Joel wore his West Limestone shirt. So uh, 1 John chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. Um, of course, John, a brilliant writer, uh, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Uh, Keener and I have tried to explain to you about Gnosticism, uh, Docetism, uh, stoicism and sort of refuting the teachings that were infiltrating the first century church. So he goes on in chapter 2 and says, My little children. He's not necessarily referring just to small kids, which we have many out here today, and we appreciate you understanding. You're not having kids worship like you normally do. Uh, Brother Mike's not getting to preach to you. You've got to come out here and hear Pastor Joel. But it's talking about believers of every age and every stage of development. See, some of us out here today have been saved for decades. Some of us are relatively new believers. It was the same way at the church of Ephesus where John was writing this letter. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And again, all of us know that none of us are perfect. It starts with the preacher, flows through the staff, the deacons, every teacher, every committee member, every one of us. All of us who are in the body of Christ, none of us are perfect. But this is... God's desire that as you grow in grace and as you understand the uh, Word of God that you will begin to sin less and less and less as the years go by. But if anyone does sin, and don't worry, we will, we have an advocate. The word advocate is a beautiful Greek word here, parakletos. It's literally someone who comes alongside of you. And all of us in this beautiful setting that's been alone before, some of you are alone now. Some of you are widows. Some of you have uh, had situations happen in your family and, 
And now when you walk into your home, you, you find yourself by yourself. But, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you're never alone. Because we have an advocate, someone who has come alongside of us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if you're struggling today with this perfect standard, please be reminded that none of us are perfect. But yet we are to strive for perfection because God is perfect and His standard for His people is absolute perfection. But yet because He created Adam and Eve in the garden so long ago, and then you and I had the fortune of being able to be born to our mom, the Lord knows our frame. He knows the environment for which we're being raised. He knows all the good things, but He also certainly understands and knows all the struggles. We are but dust. And because we are but dust, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to make right choices and right decisions day in and day out. But in the midst of understanding 1 John chapter 1 from previous weeks, that if we do sin, He is faithful and just, to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let us be careful not to take advantage of God's grace. Look at verse 2. The Bible says that He is the propitiation. That's a beautiful $10 theological word. Halasmos. It means that Jesus satisfied the requirement for our sins. See, there's no amount of good that you and I could ever achieve in our lifetime. We could fill our resume up with serve days and degrees hanging on our walls and revivals preached and committees that we've run, but none of it would ever satisfy the requirement of satisfying God on behalf of our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, there's some theological perspective out there that says that only certain people can be saved. Well, you look at the context of 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says the whole world, holos in the Greek, it means all, it means complete. And so therefore, every person that's under the sound of my voice, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and on this beautiful Sunday, if the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of your heart and draws you to Jesus, you can be saved. You can be saved today, you can be saved tomorrow, you can be saved next week. But please don't misunderstand that we're always going to have those opportunities. My spirit will not always strive with man. Sometimes you feel the real presence of Jesus and you know that He's doing something unique in your life and you know that you need to be saved, but then you say no. And over a period of time, your heart becomes harder and harder and harder till there comes a moment when you can no longer hear His voice. There's a transition that takes place from verse 2 to verse 3 that we now see the marks or the characteristics of a true believer. And it's my prayer that every person here today, even though we've had the sin of gluttony and we need to all repent, we need to know that we are to be obedient to His commandments. And by this we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep His commandments. How are you doing in that area? I'm not talking about picking and choosing and copying and pasting and being very selective with what only you want to do. But are you obedient to the commandments of God? And I'll just go ahead and take a step out on faith here. For some of us, the reason why life is not turning out the way that we want it could be very well that we're not being obedient to the commandments of God. I'm not just talking about the big things. I'm talking about what some would call the very small and insignificant things. But to God, they are significant. Because there are no bigs and there are no little sins with Him. It's all simply sin. 
So obedience is better than sacrifice. Because obedience reflects a heart that's in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Job. I'm in love with Zeke and Danny, my, my children. I'm in love with you, my church family. One of the things that characterizes love is that we want to please those that we love. Not to the point of sin or stepping over a boundary, but no, we do it because we are servants. And we want to serve those that we love. And if we say that we love Jesus, therefore let us become a servant of Jesus. So yes, over and over in Scripture we see the admonition, obedience is better than sacrifice. First of all, partial obedience is not obedience at all. These are things that Joe and I are teaching to Zeke and Danny because there are times they'll do half of what we want them to do rather than the whole. And then we have to come back and reiterate once again, no, this is what I meant, this is what I said, we need you to do it. Oh, how many times God's done that to me. How many times has God done that to you? Where you thought you were being obedient, but you only went 25% or maybe 50% or even 99%. God desires all of us. He wants to be wholly our Savior. Not just a little bit or not just when it's convenient, but at all times. And we all know this theological truth that disobedience is an act of rebellion. When you and I tell God, you know what, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do it my way anyway, that's rebellion and it is sin. And if you're on this beautiful lawn today under the sound of my voice and you're walking in blatant disobedience to God... You are hurting the heart of God, but you're also hurting your own witness and your own testimony. Now, it's easy to sing about Jesus on Sunday morning. Well, how are you doing on Tuesday afternoon? How are you doing on Thursday night? How are you doing on Friday when you're hanging out with your friends? Are you still doing what God would call you to do? Thirdly, disobedience is sinful because it flat out decides, I'm just not going to listen to God. So far, Zeke and Danny have been at least willing to listen to Joe and I. Now there are times when they're consumed with their technology or they're watching a television program and they don't hear us, but yet there are times we have to get their attention. And I've been pastoring long enough, some of us, God's had to get our attention. Sometimes it's physically, sometimes it's emotionally, sometimes it's even you and I walking around spiritually that God's had to shake us and wake us up out of the doldrums and and, and say, listen, you, you pray for revival, but you're unwilling to do anything for revival to come. You, you pray for the return of Jesus Christ in the clouds, but you're not ready for Him. And maybe He's giving us an opportunity, even in a beautiful day like this, in this particular setting, to say, Lord, I need to, I need to rededicate my life to You. I'm already saved. I, I know when I die I'm going to heaven, but right now I'm just not living like it. And then fourth and lastly, partial obedience disrespects God's Word. You know, the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it was sin 2,000 years ago, beloved, it's still sin today. And I know that we're living in a, in a fluid world where a lot of things change, but God's Word doesn't change. Uh, you know, we're we going to pass away one day, but God's Word is going to endure forever. I was listening to a podcast and all of my travels this past week, and, and I was reminded... And I already knew this, but sometimes I just need a little shaking that there is power in God's Word. When I'm sharing the Gospel with somebody and I'm using my own story or I'm just simply using off the top of my head things that have happened to me that brought me to faith in Christ, there's really not a whole lot of power in that. But when I take out my Bible 
or I pull it up on my smartphone or my Bible app and I begin to read the scripture to someone, I sense God's power. And maybe we have drifted far from that because we're all busy. We all got places to go. We got people to see. We got family. We got loved ones. We got ball games to go to. We got band concerts. All of us are busy. So when is the last time you really sat down and discovered for yourself, not just what Pastor Joel or Pastor Keenan preaches on a Sunday morning, but really God's Word to you for that particular day, for that particular hour. You know, Jesus replied to all of this in John 14, 23. He says, all who love me will do what I say. And that's something that I pulled on Zeke a number of times. And Zeke, if you really love me as your dad, you'll do what I ask you to do. Now one day, son, you'll be able to make your own choices. You'll be able to make your own decisions. But as of right now, in our square footage and under our roof, what I say goes. And I'll accept the responsibility if it happens to be wrong. All I need for you to do is be obedient. Do you know that's how it is with God's Word for us? If it turns out, if it doesn't turn out well, and you've been obedient to God's Word, that's on Him. It's not on you. But you and I are summoned and we are called to obedience. Because whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. That's strong language, isn't it? We see God's Word calling people who say they love God but don't do what He says. God's Word calls them a liar. And the truth is not in Him. Again, coming back to Gnosticism, the religion that came to be known as Gnosticism prided itself in knowing God through mystical enlightenment, though that knowledge had no bearing on their moral behavior. They just kept doing what all they had done before. In fact, believing in Jesus didn't really have an effect on them. And maybe that's some of us today. We say that we love Jesus, but do we live like we love Jesus? We sing the songs. We study the Sunday school lessons. We, we hear the sermons. But there's been no change of behavior. I will assure you, when Jesus comes in to your life, He will change you from the inside out. And He does it joyfully, and He does it gladly. And He does it because He loves us. He hates the sin, but He always loves us. He loves me, and He also loves you. But whoever keeps His Word in Him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Because we live in our fair city, there's a lot of different folks that go to certain churches that don't believe you can know if you're saved or not. I beg to differ. The Bible says in 1 John 5 and 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Yes, even though I mess up and I think things I shouldn't think, I even say things I shouldn't say sometimes, I know that I'm saved because every time I do, I have the conviction of the Holy Spirit that grabs a hold to my heart. I've had conversations with folks who say they've been a Christian for decades and they'll say, Joel, I never have any conviction. There's never anything that sort of causes me to want to change my behavior. Lovingly, I tell those individuals, you might need to check up. Because the Holy Spirit will reveal to us our sin and our desperate need for repentance. By this we may know that we are in Him. And today, friend, if you don't know that you're saved, or you made some kind of decision somewhere in your past, maybe a revivalist came through, and maybe an evangelist preached the gospel, or someone spoke to you one-on-one, -on -one and you simply went through the motions. You simply prayed the prayer with your head and not with your heart. Let me tell you something. You may very well be lost. 
You may be desperate today because you're trying to find answers to all the questions that your mind and your heart keep asking you. Your answer is Jesus, friend. Church member or not, baptized or not, every one of us here this morning need Jesus Christ. And then lastly, verse 6. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What's the apostle teaching us? He's reassuring us that if we take seriously the commands of God and desire to keep them, we can be sure that we know God. So you can know today, just like I know that I'm saved, it has nothing to do with me being a preacher. But it has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus on the cross that I believed in as an eight-year-old boy so long ago. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're in the right place. More than likely in a crowd this size with this bunch of Baptists out here, one or two people sitting beside you right now, they really do know Jesus. And they would love to tell you about Jesus. They would love to show you either on their phone or maybe even in their old-fashioned Bible how you can know Jesus Christ. Our walk should match our talk. So what does that mean for us moving forward? That after we have the final amen here in just a few minutes, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Joel didn't say that. Jesus did. I'm just repeating what our Lord said so long ago in Mark chapter 1 verse 17. And if you go back and study the New Testament, Jesus said follow me 13 different times in just the four Gospels. Because this is not a life which we can live in our own strength or energy. But it is only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. So maybe today you would be willing to turn responsibility of your life over to Jesus. Maybe you've had control long enough, or at least the illusion of control. And I know many of you, and some of you have shared your backstory with me. And as your pastor, I would never say anything publicly, but I believe you know who you are. Maybe today is the day that finally, assuredly, unreservedly, you give your life to Christ. Because doing it halfway hadn't worked. Doing it 75% hadn't worked. But giving your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus, I'm a living, breathing testimony. It does work. I want you to bow your heads with me as our musicians come and get ready to lead us in our invitation time. Wason shared with you a few moments ago that right there on your smartphone, and if you're at fbcathens.org or you clicked on the QR code via your camera, there's a place down at the bottom of that particular slide where you can respond to what we've talked about and what we've sung about today. Let our pastoral staff know this week we'll, be, we'll get back in touch with you. We'll either call you if you provide that information, or we'll email you back and set up a time where we can talk to you about Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, friend, there's no more important decision that you'll ever make than making it for Jesus Christ. Some of you have shared that you saw the video clip of Danny getting baptized a few weeks ago. You have no idea how long that Joe and I pray. And others, Brother Greg and others part of our children's ministry have been praying for Danny. Because we didn't want Danny to make a decision because her daddy was a preacher. We don't want you to make a decision because your daddy was a deacon. Or your mama was a Sunday school teacher. 
No, we come to faith in Jesus Christ when we are drawn by the Spirit of the living God. And that particular evening, down at Jimmy and Nan's condo, when Danny walked over to us and she said, I'm ready. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. It forever changed her eternity. And with childlike faith, she prayed and invited Jesus to come into her life based upon her repentance of sin and her belief that Jesus Christ lived, He died, and on the third day He rose from the grave. That's how you're saved. That's how you can know Christ today. So more than likely in a crowd this size, most of us are already saved. We've already repented of our sins. We've already believed. But maybe you've drifted. Maybe you found yourself, it's just a little bit easier to sin right now. You're in a larger congregation. Nobody maybe necessarily is keeping an eye on you if you've not got plugged into a Sunday school class yet. So it's easy to miss. It's easy to be AWOL for weeks on end and nobody calls, nobody sends a card. I want you to know that First Baptist Church loves you. But even more than a local church loving you, Jesus loves you. He's always known where you are and what you're doing. I'm going to encourage you today to come to Him. Childlike faith. So Father, I pray now as Wayson and Mike come and we get ready to sing, I pray, Lord, that You would not allow these moments to escape us. Thank You for all the hugs, the handshakes, the smiles, all of the hard work and planning and preparation that's gone into these few minutes together. So, Father, I pray that we won't waste this moment. That we'll find a sister. We'll find a brother who's willing to spend just a few moments with us and say, I'm ready. I need to know Jesus. I need to rededicate my life. I need to join this fellowship. I want to be a part of what First Baptist is doing. So thank you in advance, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to sing now. We say one more time, Lord, we love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name.